Welcome back to Conspiracy Club, Stardate 3152.6. I'm Tom. I thought I was Tom. What dimension are we in? Big Pussy 2.5. I'm not gonna bite on that one. Alright, oh, you, so you bite. We're gonna get into this? This week, we are talking about something a lot more depressing than baseball. We are talking about the scariest place on Earth, California in the late 70s. At 10 p.m. on Friday, February the 24th, 1978, five men left a basketball game at California's Chico State. The men, Gary Mathias, Jack Hewitt, William Sterling, Ted Weyer, and Jack Madruga, had a history of mental disabilities. They ranged in age from 24 to 32 and all lived at home. Madruga was undiagnosed, but considered slow, and Mathias was undergoing drug treatment for schizophrenia. They were big basketball fans and players themselves. The next day, they had a big tournament game for their team, the Gateway Gators, from the Yuba City Rehabilitation Center for the Handicapped. To say they were excited for their big game would be an understatement. Wire had his mom wash his new shoes, and Matthias was perpetually reminding his mother not to let him oversleep. No doubt, it was the game on their mind as they departed from Chico, headed for their homes in Yuba, 50 miles south. Riding in Madruga's turquoise 1969 Mercury Montego, they made a pit stop a few blocks from the college at Bear's Market to buy snacks for their ride home. One Hostess cherry pie, one Langendorf lemon pie, one Snickers bar, one Marathon bar, two Pepsis, and a quart and a half of milk. Following their encounter with the mildly annoyed clerk, they got back in their car and took off homebound, never to be seen again. That's a whack order. Yeah, that's what I thought too. So t- I was like, all right, hoist? Pepsi, some some candy bars, and then they're like, milk. I was like, what? Who gets a hostess cherry pie? They're, they slap. Do, no, they don't. Oh, that's not true. No, I, I had one like two weeks ago. No, they don't. It was good. No, I'm thinking when I get a hostess, it's either a twink, it's a, it's a ho-ho, it's the little, you know the one where like the little uh, uh, cupcake where you bind to it, got all the little white stuff on the inside? <laughs> Yeah, them slap. I, here's the thing. I what I always buy is I always buy um, snowballs, and every time I'm like, this is never as good I don't, as I expect no, it to be. I'm not. I'm not a snowball fan. I like but, coconut a lot, and there's like two bites of a snowball that's good, and the other ten are not. No, but that little that little cupcake with the little white filling on it. Ooh, wee! That takes me back to when I was a child, dude. What about their order though? You got huh? anything that stands out to you? Other like, than the hostess cherry pie, uh, the, the Langen, I don't even know what the, the Langen, whatever, whatever must German a, word that is, must the be lemon a pie area thing, I, I would guess. Yeah, I don't know what they, this is a, okay, there's multiple things that I, I find funny. Um, the marathon bar also, do they, they don't make those anymore, right? I have no idea what that even is, so I'd assume not. Should have Googled that because maybe it's like a Snickers, wait, not a Snickers, they but maybe Snickers. it's like a, a Milky Way now or something. I don't know. Uh, you're probably right. Remember how they used to have the Mars bar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know they don't have that anymore. That's true. But also the fact that the uh, clerk was annoyed. That's funny to me. Apparently he was trying to close up, so they came in like, oh, you know, late. people that yeah, come in at like yeah, 9.58 yeah. and I they're like, retail? Yeah. When, when we close at 8 on, and it's like the weekend, oh, on the weekend at my the mall I worked at, we would close at 6 on Sundays. And the people would come in at like 5.50. And I'd be like. Because you can't kick them out. Yeah, you can't just be like, all, all I, um, my boss would do at the time. I don't know if I, should I just shout her name out? That's up to you. Uh, shout out to Corinne. And 
Jenna at times, uh, they would just be like, they would get on the microphone and go, we're closing in five minutes. Five minutes. <laughs> we are closing. That's probably this guy. He's like, I'm about to shut the door and lock it right now. Yeah. Okay. And we, dude. And they're like, so a huge order? Yeah. Or the one when I would hate when people would like, at like, it would be like 6.50 or 5.55. People, and we would lock the door. And they knock on And it. they knock on the door. I'd be like, what are you doing? You can see us in here, but the door's locked for a reason. Yeah. Go away. Maybe it's an accident. Leave the mall. <laughs> like, I'm just like, dude, what are you guys doing here? Go home. Like, whenever, malls should be closed on all holidays. Like, go home. Have a family. At 5 a.m., Ted Wire's mother woke up unexpectedly to an odd, unsettling feeling. She checked Ted's bed to find it was empty. She immediately called Bill Sterling's mom. His mom, who had been awake since 2 a.m., reported that Bill hadn't come home either. They quickly called the other parents to no avail. The men were missing, and at 8 p.m. that night, Mrs. Madruga called the police. It was a grueling few days before anything was found, but on Tuesday the 28th, the mercury was found 70 miles from Chico on a deserted and damaged mountain road. The car stood silently at the snow line, and although there were indications that the tires had spun, it had not stuck, especially considering that the five men could have easily pushed it out. The gas tank was still a quarter full. Four maps sat untouched in the glove compartment, and the keys were gone. The wrappers from the food they'd bought on Friday night littered the car. Mostly all of it eaten. Hopefully, you know, they survived. Well, we'll find out. I told you they were never seen again. You're right. So that's just that's not uh, could does not bode well for them. But they could have just survived. DP Cooper was also never seen again. That's true. Yeah. There was no clear sign as to why the car had been abandoned. Its underside was undamaged, and as a heavy car with a low-hanging muffler and five full-grown men riding inside, going along an incredibly bumpy mountain road in total darkness, to have no gouge or dent or even a mud stain to show for it was odd. The driver had to have been amazingly precise and cautious or knowledgeable enough about the road to anticipate every rut. Well, did they know the driver was Vin Diesel? Fast and Furious style. Yeah, and he, he grew up and he turned to Vin Diesel. <clears throat> Next thing you know. He changed his name. That's why they can never find him. And he's like, yeah, come on. We got uh, to go around this cliff. And then he went around the cliff. Next thing you know, they survived and he's in Cuba. So maybe there's your explanation. Madruga, the only one to ever drive the car, maybe he knew the road well enough and took a detour, but he didn't, and he hated the cold. In fact, none of them particularly enjoyed the outdoors, and each of them led such predictable and scheduled stay-at-home lives that it makes no sense what drove them to take this road through the mountains. What's more, the investigation was faced with heavy complication with the arrival of a heavy snowstorm on the day that they discovered the car. Nine inches of snow were dropped on them, and search teams nearly found themselves lost. It was impossible to conduct a search or any sort of investigation in such conditions, and so nothing at all was found until June 4th, after the spring thaw. Yeah, man. So, one of them, well, okay, allegedly one of them decides to take a detour, maybe not have, maybe they, I know they say that they have like a very specific schedule. Maybe they, you know, didn't follow it this time. It's freedom. But why? 
I don't know, dude. Like, you know, a deer could have ran the road and they were like, shit, and turned or like anything could have happened. They said actually that the road that they were found on does not even connect to the highway that leads to the, to Yuba, True, to but, their hometown. So that means they took this detour, where were they going? And plus you also have to understand though, it's not like they're using a GPS, they're using a map and maps. But they were, the maps were untouched and the car was undamaged. So that means they knew the road well enough to not mess it up. Maybe. Well, they, that's a fact. But you know how many times me even using a GPS, knowing like the road, going back from here to my home at, you know, home, uh, I went down the wrong exit on accident. Here's the thing. They, first of all, if you ignore the fact that they lived scheduled lives, how did they know the road well enough to not damage the car at all? And also, why did they get out and leave the car with a quarter tank of gas? Maybe it was dark out and you couldn't see the you know, little thing. The fuel. Or maybe it was something more sinister. That day, June 4th, a group of motorcyclists found themselves exploring a deserted Forest Service trailer camp 20 miles from the site of the car when they were suddenly overwhelmed by a gut-wrenching smell. That smell was Ted Wire, who was found on a bed inside the 60-foot trailer, frozen to death. Eight sheets had been pulled up over his body and tucked around him. His shoes were missing, and the bedside table found itself the home of an assortment of items. A nickel ring with Ted engraved into it, his gold necklace, his wallet with the cash still inside, and a gold watch with its crystal missing that the family said did not belong to any of the men. I would have robbed him. If you were the, the motorcyclist? Yeah. Wow, you are going to hell. No, uh, it depends on how much money he has on it. I, you're not, you, you're not going to check. You're not going to at least go up to him and be like... They're I, probably yeah, like, holy I, cow, that's a badly from. decayed body. I know where you're from, Tom. You're checking. They're probably like, oh my gosh, that's a dead body. I know where you're from. Reeks. We are We are two people who have experienced poverty. You are checking <laughs> that damn wallet. You, they didn't. You're going. And this is California. It, it, especially in Cali. This ain't the first dead body they've seen. Well, they didn't. This they is didn't the check. first of many. You're not going to ask about the the watch that didn't belong to any of the men? What's know. up with that? Where did that come from? Somebody probably was like, hey, dude, pick me up. And then he got in the car, too. Maybe it's his Oh, watch. you think so? You yeah. think there was another man there? Yeah, maybe it was another man there. You know? They could, right. Or a woman. Wire was not a small man. Standing around 5'11 and 200 pounds. But by the time his body was discovered, he had lost up to 100 pounds. His feet were badly frostbitten, and judging by his beard growth, he had lived inside the trailer, starving, for anywhere from 8 to 13 weeks. No way. 8 to 13, just chilling. That's a long time. That's like two and a half months. Upwards of two and a half months. He was just chilling, too, in the freezing... He must have not been able to walk. He had no shoes now. Why, why was that? I don't know. Where did they go? <laughs> In Where's, the sky? Like, what do you want? This is going to get tragic. If this has a... I swear to you, if this is an alien twist, I might cut you. It's not. Okay. The trailer had been broken into through a window, and no fire had been built, despite matches inside and an assortment of easily flammable materials like novels and furniture. A shed outside held more than a dozen sea rations that had been opened and emptied. 
One in particular had been opened using an army P-38 can opener, which only Madruga and Matthias, who had served in the army themselves, would have known how to use. What's more strange, nobody had opened a locker in the same shed that contained enough food and dehydrated Mexican dinners and fruit cocktails to keep all five men alive for a year. No one had also touched the propane tank in another shed, which would have been able to give the trailer gas and heat. So, so they break in and then they don't look for anything. They clearly ate some of the rations, but there was a whole another shed, or another uh, locker that had enough rations for them to survive for a year. All of them. They didn't try to start a fire to keep warm, and they fro- and we know that at least uh, uh, Ted froze to death. Well, so well, it's you, a pretty odd situation. I feel like if you have the mental, you know, whatever they called it earlier, the R word. Uh, maybe they didn't think about it. Like, maybe they were already freaking out as it was. So, like, when you're freaking out, sometimes you don't make the most rational decision. Someone uh, speculated in a thread that I was reading that there, um, people like this sometimes live a very, like we said, they already live a very scheduled and yeah. rigid, like, everything is predictable. So maybe they're also, like, very morally grounded. Like, even though they're in this situation, they don't recognize that they're like, I can steal. I can burn stuff. Maybe they're like, it's still bad and I'll get in trouble. And plus the unpredictable stuff freaks just anyone out, mm-hmm. you know? Like me, I've, I freak out at times. That used to be like my main anxiety was like fearing like the unpredictable things that I couldn't control. But so maybe that for them was like, fuck, we're stuck now. What are we yeah. going to do? But that still begs the question, brother. why did they get out of the car? It had gas in it? It wasn't stuck? Maybe they thought it was. But they didn't even try. They could have gotten out and pushed. You spin off, if you spin off the road... They didn't. They weren't off the road. They were in the middle well, of the okay. road. If, if you get off the road somehow, you know, I don't know how. I think there was... So far, it just sounds like there was another person in the car that we haven't revealed yet. But if you somehow or some event happens where they had to end up getting off road, you panic. The day after Wire's body was found, so too were the remains of Madruga and Sterling. They lay on opposite sides of the road leading up to the trailer, 11.4 miles from the car. Madruga had been partially eaten by animals and dragged partially away. Sterling was in a more wooded area, but there was nothing left of him except bones scattered over 50 feet. Shout out to the animals in the California area. They're scary. Yeah, they get to work quick. Those guys died near like, mm, 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 that looked like a good meal. 200 pounds of flesh. I'm finna tear him up. Bears? There's like bears and coyotes and yeah, all sorts coyotes. of scary stuff out there. There's a coyote uh, out where I'm at. Oh. Like back in my home. My watch, home watch the farms. Uh, they've been like, so there was a, a photo of it. I'll post it on the Twitter. It walked up to a family's house. And oh. the lady thought it was a dog, and she almost let it in. Oh, God, that would have been scary. Yeah, that would have been a sticky situation. And then this one girl came in with the, you should have let him in. He's just a big dog. No. Yep. Yep. Two days later, not far from the same road, Jackie Hewitt's father found his son's spine. The exact reason that Lieutenant Lance Ayers had discouraged family from joining the search They found a few other bones nearby along with his pants and shoes. The next day, someone found a skull that would be identified by the Hewitt family's dentist 
as Jackie is, 100 yards from the body. Hewitt, Sterling, and Madruga's remains were all found northeast of the trailer. About a quarter mile northwest of the trailer, searchers found three wool service blankets and a flashlight by the side of the road. It was impossible to tell how long they'd been there, though. So, currently we have... We have three of them. We have four of them. Okay, we have four bodies. Yeah, because we had the one earlier. So now we just need one We need Gary Matthias... Where's Big G? He was uh, Gary is the ones. one that um was not didn't was not mentally handicapped or disabled, however you whatever yeah. the correct was he just schizophrenic? He was he, he was taking medication for schizophrenia. Yeah. So where's Big G? Big Mons. Big Mons. Well, let's let's get into it. Alrighty. At this point, the remains of four of the five men had been discovered, but where was Gary Matthias? The only evidence for Matthias recovered at all were his tennis shoes found in the trailer. Keep in mind. Matthias was the only one not considered mentally disabled, but he did take weekly medication for schizophrenia. If he was still alive at this point, he would have been without his medication that he'd taken for the past three years for four months. Matthias had struggled in the past, but hadn't had any major issues for two years. Matthias might still be the answer to why they took the mountain road. It's known that he had friends in Forbes town, and they may have accidentally taken the wrong road and gotten lost on their way to visit them. Man, come on, dog. I don't care if I have friends anywhere. I'm not risking it. It's also super late. Like, they left at 10 p.m. Exactly. Uh, and they ended up finding, I think the car was like 70 miles from where they'd started. Yeah. So that would have been so late for them to show up at their friend's house. Be like, you, at four in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, to me personally, I just feel like, I don't know. This whole story just seems weird anyway. There's a lot of things you're like, why did they do that? Yeah. Why didn't they do that? Yeah, I don't know. You wouldn't think if... Uh, I can't imagine four months being schizophrenic without medicine. <sighs> Probably losing it. Lieutenant Lance Ayers became consumed by the investigation. He searched diligently all through the spring, haunted by the mysterious disappearance of the five strong men one of which, Wire, he'd gone to school with. He heard out every sighting coming from all over, Ontario, Tampa, Sacramento, to name a few. Desperate, Ayers turned to psychics. One told him that they'd been kidnapped and taken to Arizona or Nevada. Another said that they'd been murdered in Oroville and described the house vividly, a two-story red brick house with a gravel driveway and the number 4723 or 4753. For two straight days, Ayers drove up and down every street in Oroville looking for the house, a house which did not exist. And that may show his dedication to his duty, but Ayers was truly tortured by the investigation. He became able to memorize every detail about the men, and by the end of spring, he was having dreams about them. Wait, so they found everybody, right, by this point? Nope, Gary's still... Oh, no, so Gary's still gone. Yeah, they found nothing from him except his shoes that were in the trailer. Okay. So keep in mind... They found Gary's shoes in the trailer that Ted's body was found in. Okay. Ted was not wearing any shoes. Okay. So he might have took Ted's shoes. Some people speculate that Gary took Ted's shoes, which were bigger, because yeah. Gary's feet had become frostbitten and swelled up. Yes. So we took Ted's shoes that would have fit him better. Okay. So that still doesn't explain where he is or any evidence from his body at all. So that just seems weird that he would think that he would be he would have been kidnapped. And well, they're just hearing out every every lead. I just that's always remember how like psychics like 
one of these days, psychics we, are, are yeah, like kind one of, of these crappy. days, I just want to have an episode where we just talk about psychics. Maybe get a psychic reading just and, to test it out. Yeah, and like, I just think it's bullshit so much. Like, it'll be like, it's always like, oh, do you have a do you have a, a friend named Stephen? No, they would be like, do you have a name, a friend, a family member, someone close to you even that has a name that starts with J? Maybe it's maybe it's F, and they're <laughs> like, oh yeah. Franklin, oh my god. Oh, yes, it is Franklin. Franklin. Yeah. Like, it just seems like I would never go to a sidekick for anything like this because they always end up not being like right. Yeah. It's, they just draw conclusions off of information that you give them. Yeah, because you just gave him two. This man, you gave him two. I bet you he paid. But, uh, well, hey, get your check then. But he, they gave him two places now that he's been driving around trying to find for weeks and he couldn't find them because they didn't exist, which also says. Thank God we have technology, man. Because also consider this: Why would they only have Matthias murdered there? That's what I'm saying. There's a whole group of them. The other four, they found their remains. At least they just took Gary. They just took Gary off to murder him in a a murder house. If you, if I can draw a kind of like a a story where it could have made sense, so they get off road, they get into the first place. Uh, that little, uh, the, you know, RV or whatever they're at. And then they decide, like, you know, we're going to chill here for a little bit. But then at the same time, they still have the moral thing where they're like, we're not going to do anything crazy or whatnot. Uh, which McCullough dies, the one who dies there. He takes his shoes and the rest of them are still alive. They leave there. They keep going. And then they, kind of like the Downer Party thing, they just, one of them keeps dropping one by one by one. to finally where it's just Gary. And then Gary just dips off and he's gone. And then on the way while he's, you know, walking through just anywhere, he just gets picked up and, mm. you know, thinking he got help, gets murked. Maybe. You know how California is, especially in the 50s. This is seven. I mean, seven, still, from the between, I'm so used to it being the 50s for everything. But even the 70s, man, is terrible. Like, they didn't really have anything. Your people couldn't find anyone to like 90 something because of DNA. They learned that a Forest Service snowcat traveled up the road to the trailer a day before the disappearances, which left a packed snow path the men may have followed. But that still doesn't answer why. Why they'd left their heated car, why they'd driven up to the mountains in the first place, and what had happened once they'd reached the trailer. Perhaps someone was in the car with them, someone that did know the road that they traveled. At 5.30 p.m., hours before the disappearance of the men, Joseph Shones drove his Volkswagen Bug up the same fateful road. He was checking the snow line because he wanted to bring his daughter and wife up there that weekend. However, his car got stuck in the snow around 50 yards ahead of where the mercury was found. Upon trying to push it out, Shones suffered a mild heart attack. He got back in his car and laid down with the engine on, and the heater blasting. At some point in the night, he heard whistling noises a ways down the road. He got up and saw a group of men and a woman with a baby walking in the glare of their vehicle's headlights. He thought he heard them talking, but when he yelled for help, their headlights went out and the talking ceased. Shones got back in his car and rested again, and again was disturbed. Flashlight beams shot outside his window, and again he called out for help. And again, the lights went out and the night fell into silence. Shones stayed in his car until it ran out of gas, when he walked eight miles back to a lodge and got a drink before heading back up the road 
only to pass the mercury in the same spot where he had heard the voices the night before. And it was empty in the middle of the road. Told you part of it will open involved. So this is not as rock solid as that may seem. There's two things to consider. Um, one is that he had had a heart attack, so he may have. Uh, been hearing shit, or he might have been a little bit yeah, disillusioned. So the woman thinks specifically yeah. he might have been disillusioned about that. The other thing is that uh, if one of the men had long hair, which some people think that they had longish hair and he might have been carrying something, he could have been in the dead of night. They could have been, uh, yeah, seen as something other than what they were. Yeah. All right. Hey, it is what it is. No one knows why the men were motivated to do what they did or what happened to Matthias. But what we do know is that this case is not the first case of this nature. Hence why it's been deemed the American Diet Law of Pass incident. To better understand, or cause greater confusion, next week, we're going to cover the case that first threw logic to the wind. The Diet Loft Pass incident. Ironically, this is on my list of topics to do, so I had to take it off, because I knew you were going to do it when you said the American one. So I was just like, I'm going to take this off, because there's no point. <laughs> but yeah, I can't wait to deep dive into this incident that I know nothing about. So what do you think happened? Do you actually not? No, I everything that's on my list are things I've like very, very vaguely know stuff about, and it's my list is so long at this point that I just don't know what most of them are anymore. Um, a couple things I want to to touch on before we do the the wrap up. Um, some of the terms I use, like the R word and some of the handicap stuff, I want to say that I use that as a quote from the original uh, newspaper reporting about them. That's why I said. I don't, I don't know who they were. That's what was said about them when it was originally reported. Yes. And the second thing is that when they tried to look for Gary's body, um, they assumed, like a couple of the other guys, that he had been eaten. So they were looking for stuff that would not have been eaten. Specifically, they were looking for his glasses, uh-huh. which they figured a bear or a large animal or just a, a swarm of animals like, would not have eaten. Yeah. Um, where maybe his clothes, maybe his shoes, everything else might have just went, gotten torn through, even his bones. Yeah. Um, and then dumped somewhere else. Uh, the glasses they thought were something that would have been left around, but they never found anything from Gary. It's They have no idea um, what happened to him. One speculation about what caused it all is that Gary had a schizophrenic break um, mm. partway through the trip, which is why he stopped it in the middle of the road. Uh, and that he got out and took the keys with him. Mm. Um, I don't know how he would have taken the keys with him, but that's a speculation. He took the keys with him and then just like ran into the woods. I can see that actually. Uh, ran into the woods and they just never found anything from him. But then the guys were stuck with a car, the car that yeah. had no, it was not going anymore. So they're like, well, let's figure something out. And that's what led everything else. That's a, that's a theory. There's yeah, n- literally nothing theory. to support that. I know, but that's a really good theory. I can see that. Like, he just finally broke and was like, I can't do this anymore and just took off. Mm-hmm. There's still so many questions that are unanswered and you just will never know. Yeah. Maybe. I'm really, I, it's, I'm really curious. Um, why, just why? Why so much? Why did they not eat the food that was in there? They already ate some of it. Why didn't they eat the rest? Why Wolves. did they not? They, but they already ate some of it. That's, I feel like Gary's the only one who might have ate the food. And then just took off? Yes. I mean, he would—he—he he was one of the people that might have known how to use the the can opener that was mentioned. So maybe he was there, <laughs> ate some. As we know, he was one of the people that was considered less handicapped. Plus, I feel like he's the only one who didn't. If he, he can get off not having his morals all the way, you think so? He had a, he had had issues previously. He was in the army. He was yes, discharged exactly. for drug use. 
He had had breaks before. Yes. Um, He's the only one who can get off. Like, man, fuck you guys. I'm. I'm he, I mean, I'm he, he hadn't had anything for two years, but maybe he. Uh, and then he was like, "I'm going to go find help," and then just got lost in the woods, California wilderness, yeah. was never seen again. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait to see the actual one, the ridge, the Dilaf Pass incident. Yes. yes. So we'll talk about that to give you. I I wanted to say background, but it's not really background. It's just another case that is incredibly similar to this one about a group of people that kind of leave safety for literally we don't know any reason why. Yeah. They just decided we're going to walk out of here, leave everything we know and everything that's going to keep protect us behind, and we're just going to walk into the woods or, or the great unknown or whatever. So we're going to do that. The week after that, we might have you might want to do one, but I have another one. I mean, if you want to keep going, dude, you can do it every week. Um, the next one we'll do after that is about this little town called Skidmore, Missouri. Mm. Sounds like Skid Row. It's got. It's probably just as messed up. Hell yeah! All right. Do you have anything else you want to say? Any wrap-up thoughts? Uh, no, man. I'm just looking forward to the incident. All right. Well, you can join the club by following us on Instagram and Twitter at Tom and Demir. I think you know how to spell it by now. Um, so go do that. And also remember that it helps the show a lot if you rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you listen. And like I said last week, word of mouth is pretty big for uh, helping podcasts. So tell your friends you think might be interested in this kind of stuff. Um, tell your friends about it. Yeah. Do that for sure. Um, that's all I have to say, Amir. Do you want to? Um, yeah. Like I say at the end of every episode, man, poor Gary. That was unfortunate. <laughs>